Join me in prayer. Oh Lord, we come to worship you here today, wanting to see your glory. We offer our songs to you to praise your name. We open our hearts to receive your love. Show us how to share your love with all the people we will encounter through the coming week. We engage our minds to understand your truths. Help those truths become life-giving in each of our lives. We want to use our hands to touch the world around us. You've told us and given us examples to feed the hungry, clothe those that have needs, and visit those who are imprisoned by op oppression. Lord, as we give you our lives, please take our heads, our hearts, and our hands, everything that we are, so that we may reveal you to our world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Calvary. I am excited to introduce to you two very special families today. First, we have Jude St. Francis Rose and his parents, Christopher and Tiffany. Jude was born on March 24th, 2017. He enjoys eating and bath time, and he loves being around people. He is an easygoing and happy baby. <laughs> Zoe Ann McLean and her parents, Caroline and David. Zoe was born on May 12th, 2017. She likes being thrown in the air. <laughs> she loves her puppy, Kana, and she enjoys being outside in the sunshine. Zoe is observant and curious about new things all around her. Today, we celebrate the lives of Jude and Zoe and recognize them as signs of the kingdom of God. We also celebrate the importance of community in the life of a child and parent. Today, we commit ourselves to covenant together. Mary Alice will lead us in expressing those covenants. Parents, we are asking you to covenant with us today. And so, in dedicating your children to the Lord, will you teach your children by word and example to love the Lord their God with all of their heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love their neighbor as themselves? Will you pray for and with your children and entrust them to God's care? And will you seek to surround your children with the community of faith that they may be nurtured and strengthened in their journey with Christ? God's help, we will. Calvary, you are part of this covenant as well. And so we ask you to covenant with us. Will you covenant to be the family of God in this place for these parents and their children? And will you support them through your prayer, encouragement, and your faithful presence in their lives? As part of our dedication today, the families have chosen some special friends to present their children to the congregation. And so now we want to take a moment to share these children with you, their Calvary family.
parents, we would also like to present you with a letter to read to your child on the day that he or she accepts Jesus Christ as Savior and chooses to follow Christ's example in baptism. This letter will remind each child of this day of dedication in which you and their church community made a commitment to come alongside them in their faith journey. This letter will also remind them that they are loved and cherished by their parents, by the church, and by God. Let's join together in prayer. Gracious God, we thank you for these children and their parents. We pray that Jude and Zoe would know your love and your presence with them always. Give them your peace and protect them in times of trouble. Strengthen them and surround them with your love and comfort them in times of need. May they each grow in Christ and live fully into the person you are creating them to be. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
A reading from the book of Deuteronomy. If you will only heed his every commandment that I am commanding you today, loving the Lord your God and serving him with all your heart and with all your soul, then he will give the rain for your land in its season, the early rain and the later rain, and you will gather in your grain, your wine, and your oil. And he will give grass in your fields for your livestock, and you will eat your fill. Take care, or you will be seduced into turning away, serving other gods and worshiping them. For then the anger of the Lord will be kindled against you, and he will shut up the heavens, so that there will be no rain, and the land will yield no fruit. Then you will perish quickly off the good land that the Lord is giving you. You shall put these words of mine in your heart and soul, and you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and fix them as an emblem on your forehead. Teach them to your children, talking about them when you are at home and when you are away, when you lie down and when you rise. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates, so that your days and the days of your children may be multiplied in the land that the Lord swore to your ancestors to give them, as long as the heavens are above the earth. A reading from the Epistle to the Philippians. And this is my prayer, that your love may overflow more and more with knowledge and full insight to help you to determine what is best so that in the day of Christ you may be pure and blameless, having produced the harvest of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ for the glory and praise of God. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks, Thanks be, be to, to God. God.
We have been talking for the past four weeks about how we engage with our heart, our head, and our hands. And so I've asked a few people to come and to share with us about the area that comes most naturally to you and what has the heart, head, or hand looked like in your own faith journey. So Julie, I'm going to start with you. I'm a doer. I've always been a doer. Uh, when faced with the highs in life and the lows of life, my first response is, what can we do? Um, I grew up in a family in which the ways that we best demonstrated our faith and showed our love was by doing. In fact, my parents are 84, and they are still taking care of the older folks in First Baptist Salado or folks in their neighborhood. So growing up in an active family, I also had the privilege of growing up in an active church. And there were always opportunities to grow and to show and to um, show our faith. It is, yep. And I guess when I summarize it, um, it is the way that my faith has grown, is in the doing. And that's the place I find um, the greatest joy. Absolutely. Josh, what does that look like for you? Sure, so those of you who know me know that I'm a thinker. I am typically the person who sits quietly and observes and reflects and takes things in long before I will ever decide to respond to do or to even say anything most of the time. In my faith journey, that has really looked like me asking questions, uh, reading a lot, and then asking more questions and reading some more. <laughs> um, it also looks like listening to other people's story closely and hearing their thoughts and what they uh, have experienced and bring to the table as well. And, thinking through how that might change my understanding of God as well. Jennifer, what about you? Uh, well, for those of you that know me, um, my personality lives in the heart and feeling center. I've been in several classes with you guys where we've talked about this at length. Um, but it's like a huge magnet in my soul that I'm drawn to explore deep feelings and emotions within me and within other people. Uh, some of my favorite movies and books and songs often have very tragic or, or extremely joyful or, or heart-wrenching themes, and I'm continually drawn back to those things. Um, just the more drama, the better, you know, for me to be in my comfort zone. So in my faith journey, um, this has looked like being able to really sympathize and empathize with other people that, that could have gone through a very hard time, um, to recognize God's incredible grace for each one of us in the church as we stumble down this journey together and to have eyes for people that might be missing among us, either members of our own faith community or, or people that are in our community that, that need, need our help and love. And I'm, I'm just continually drawn toward in a very experiential Christianity and spirituality. So some of us connect with God by doing and some by thinking and some by feeling. Um, tell us, what have you connected with in these areas at Calvary? Um, Jennifer, we'll start with you on this one. Well, my nature, I think, of being heart-centered is at its best when I'm experiencing God's love uh, for his people, and that's been interesting to hear 
um, from Julie and Josh that they both feel the same way. You know, experiencing the love of God involves kind of all three. Um, but recently, you know, just being sitting with students at West Avenue Elementary or whether I'm practicing social work one-on-one um, -on -one with a client or helping students at Baylor, um, there are times when I, f I feel, I know, I believe, and I experience the deep and profound love that God has for people. And these are these divine moments where I know that, that something is at work that's greater than my own talents or abilities or self and that God is, is there with me. Josh, how have you connected with thinking at Calvary? Sure, I think for me this typically looks like me sitting in a missions meeting or somewhere kind of quietly as we discuss different things and then really kind of asking questions and thinking through what does this say about what we're doing and what does it mean and what does it say to others and about us and really kind of asking some of those questions. But on a bigger scale, I think here at Calvary especially, I really appreciate that there's intentionality in everything that we do. It's very well thought out, I can tell. Um, but also that we welcome everyone's minds. No one's discouraged to turn your mind off when you walk in here, regardless of what that looks like. And so I appreciate the diversity of different backgrounds and experiences and things that we've learned from literature and science and a variety of things and welcome all of those experience and ideas here. Julie, how have you connected with the hand at Calvary? Don and I were drawn to Calvary because we saw examples of people really living out their faith um, every day. Um, Calvary has always been a little church doing big things. And we've never had enough money in the budget or uh, to meet the needs or begin to do all the things we wanted to do. And so we were always surrounded by people willing to just jump in. Uh, and do it together, and I am continually motivated by those around me that show very thoughtful ways of doing things, and um, I continue to learn from their example. So we've talked about how there are strengths of all three areas, but then one of the greater strengths is bringing them together. And so, Julie, I'm, I'm skipping down a question, but I'm wondering if you could share how have you experienced God through the heart, head, and hand coming together? Well, I just, for me, when it all comes together, it's just a sign that it is spirit-breathed. And when, um, there's just a joy that comes from that that I don't get um, any other way. And I might be, have a tendency to be exhausted from the work, but when all those pieces are there, I am refueled. I'm recharged uh, in a way that uh, doesn't happen any other, other way. Absolutely. Josh, can you share, is there a specific example of how you see the heart, head, and hand coming together in our life at Calvary? Yeah, sure. So I think um, right now specifically I think of uh, the reading clubs going on at West Avenue Elementary School and how there is this relational aspect when you sit across from two or three students and read and get to know them and ask them questions about their week and their life, you really can't help but to begin to build relationships and there's something about that that's very heart-filled, right? But this year we also did a training and we thought through, okay, if we're gonna do this every week and we're gonna be on campus, how do we do this and how do we do it well? And so we did a training and we invited speakers to come and really give us some practical tools of what that might look like each week. 
And then there is a, definitely a hand component because we, it takes commitment and consistency to show up and to actually do the things that are being asked of us uh, from the school and, and do it well. So that's kind of what I think of uh, as an example right now. Jennifer, what is a dream you might have for Calvary as you envision how we might engage with our hearts, our heads, and our hands in the future? Um, I'm going to be honest here and, and just say one of the Calvary strengths, I think, is, is are all of the great minds that we have in the room. I mean, when I think about the population at Calvary, I think about some really smart people who have gone to school for a really long time. But, but I often kind of wonder, you know, if some of us are lacking in passion or zeal for different ministries or people in our community, you know, to have the courage to ask ourselves that question, you know, are we lacking in passion and zeal? And if we are, you know, do we have the courage to ask ourselves why or, or to pray for that? And I think it takes some vulnerability to be able to even desire to open yourselves up to the heart of God and his people because that might really be make us feel uncomfortable or we might even feel feelings that are really powerful within us because the heart of God is very powerful. So I just I think that's kind of my desire for Calvary is to say, you know, if we are, if, if individually, if you're finding yourself leaning toward one area of the heart hand or um, and I'm heart heavy. So, you know, to say, you know, for me, that would be saying, you know, do it, is it, even though it's vulnerable for me to, to be the hand and get out there and serve, is that what is God is asking of me? And to have the courage to seek that. That's beautiful. Thank all of you for sharing. I, I put all of you on the spot in this question, and I know it took a lot of vulnerability to get up here and to process these things with us. So thank you all for being willing to do that. Let me pray with us. God, I thank you for the minds and the hearts and the hands in this room. And I pray that you would continue to give us these big God-sized dreams about how we might engage in these areas more fully together in the days ahead. Um, God, help us to learn from one another, to listen to each other, um, and to lean on you as you strengthen us and build us up in all these different ways. We are excited about how you are going to lead us forward in the days ahead. And so now in this moment, I ask that you would help us to, to consider how we do give of our hands in this place and how we give of our resources and of ourselves in the ways that you are calling us to do. We love you, and we ask this in your name. Amen.
God, be in our heads and in our understanding. God, be in our eyes and in our looking. God, be on our lips and in our speaking. God, be in our hearts and in our thinking. God, be in every part of our lives. Because, oh Lord, you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. When we read Paul's letter to the church at Philippi, we can tell that he is writing a letter to a community of people that he knows and loves deeply, to people he considers to be friends. And compared to the other letters that were written at this time, scholars say that this letter is packed full of the language and categories of friendship. And so today, as we finish our series on the heart, head, and hand at Calvary, I thought it would be fitting for me to write a letter to you, to my friends here at Calvary, inspired by this letter we read in Philippians. And so, to the family of God who is gathered in this place at 18th and Bosque at Calvary Baptist Church, I cannot begin to tell you how much I thank God for you, for each and every one of you, for the children who are squirming in your pews right now, and for the parents who, although exhausted, are doing the hard and messy and beautiful work of raising you each and every day. I thank God for the students who find at Calvary a safe place to ask questions and to be curious and to be challenged in your faith. I thank God for the person who has been jaded by the church, but something about Calvary has given you hope in the church once again, a a hope that you didn't know was possible. I thank God for the person who has been disappointed or frustrated in some way here at Calvary, because after all, we are an imperfect church with imperfect people. Yet you keep showing up, and you keep trying to be the change you want to see in the church. I thank God for those of you who work long hours each week, pouring so much of yourself into your calling, and yet you continue to pour so much of yourself into this community too. It is amazing to be a bystander to God's work through you. I thank God for the deacons, for the Sunday school teachers, for the choir, for the person who quietly brings donuts every Sunday morning, for the youth sitting expectantly on the very front row, and to the person sitting in the back hoping that no one will see you there. I thank God for you. Over a year ago, I began to discern that it was time for me to respond to God's call to be a pastor. It was a call I had had for several years, a call that was both exciting and absolutely terrifying. But one of the hardest parts of that whole journey was imagining what it might be like to have to leave Calvary in order to follow that call. And I remember feeling so torn because I never sensed that God was calling me away from Calvary, but I absolutely felt that God was calling me to become a pastor somewhere. 
somehow. And I'm still just overcome with awe and gratitude that I get to live out my calling here with you in this community of faith whom I love dearly. I thank my God every time I remember you. And so this is my prayer for my beloved Calvary family, that the love of God in this place would overflow among us and that we would not only love much, but that we would love well. That to our neighbors here in Sanger Heights, to people who are here for the very first time and to people who have been here for years, in our greater Waco community and around the world, that Calvary would be known as a church that not only loves much, but that loves well. You see, I think God has given Calvary this love that is high and wide and long and deep, a love that couldn't come from anywhere within us but could only come from God. God has given us this love for the children who join us at Children's Bible Club each summer, or those we meet across the street at Seeley Park, or children we read with each week at West Avenue, and for all of the children bustling in our pews today. And then there are even people here who used to be children or youth, and now they're all grown up, and we love them too. God has given us a love for those who come to Calvary each week studying ESL or working toward their GED, for people we visit with Meals on Wheels, the friends we have made over the years in Lebanon and China, and newer friends in South Texas and a love for our neighbors across the street at Greater New Light. And God has given us a love for each other. The fact that two people can worship and serve with one another in this place, although they might vote differently, think differently, and live differently, and yet they love one another wholeheartedly, is one of the most powerful witnesses to Christ's love that we have to offer the world around us. Let us not forget that, Calvary. Calvary is absolutely a church that loves much, but I pray that God would give us the wisdom and the discernment to love well. As Paul prays in his letter, so I too pray that our love may overflow with knowledge and full insight. But that doesn't come easily not without thoughtful questions and meaningful dialogue. And I am so glad that we are not afraid to ask questions in this place and that we never settle for easy answers. And I pray that we would use our minds to think deeply about how we might love well in the ways in which God is calling us. How we might love well the parents and families and teachers at West Avenue how we might love well beyond the 30-minute lunch blocks that we spend with children each week. I pray that we might love well the person with mental illness or the single mom with four kids who is just trying to make ends meet. How might we love well when our world and our lives seem so very busy? They don't seem busy, they are busy. And how we, both individually and as a church, might discern among so many good things, what are the very best things that God is calling and inviting us to be a part of? 
I pray that we might ask how we might love well across racial lines. And I recognize that this is certainly not an easy question. I ask that God would give us the grace and the wisdom and the humility to understand the layers of racism which many of us know so very little about. To know that years of hatred and segregation and separation and injustices cannot and do not change overnight. I pray that our minds might be opened by the experiences and testimonies of our brothers and sisters of color and by all those who are marginalized. I pray that we might ask ourselves how we might love well across socioeconomic lines, educational lines, and the other lines that tend to separate us. I pray that we might discern how to love so well that those lines won't exist anymore. That ultimately there is no line distinguishing them and us because there is only us. Because there is no longer Jew or Greek, there is no longer slave or free, there is no longer male and female, for all of us are one in Christ Jesus. Calvary, I pray that we would seek discernment and wisdom and thoughtfulness in these areas because they cannot be overlooked. But I also pray that the desire to love much and the discernment to know how to love well would ultimately lead to loving action. I pray that God might give us the courage, even in the midst of our questions, to start showing up in new ways in our neighborhood here at 18th and Bosque. And yes, it may seem so big and grand and overwhelming, but as someone told me recently, it starts with saying hello, doesn't it? To look into someone's eyes, to be real, to hear someone's story, to listen, to share ours. And I pray that we would have the courage to reach out to those people who are on the margins with God people who have been burned by the church in some way, or people who are skeptical about faith, people who need this unique and beautiful kind of faith community that Calvary aspires to be, and that we would wholeheartedly welcome them into our church and into our lives. I pray that Christ's love might be known here in Sanger Heights and in Waco and around the world by the unique ways in which we live and serve and give and love. Discernment helps us to know how to do that, but courage helps us to actually do it. And I pray that we might have the courage to do it well. And the thing is, this isn't some lofty dream or far-off goal. I already see it. It's like the kingdom. We see glimpses of it around us all the time, even if we know we're not quite there yet. I see it in Blake and Rachel and Lauren and Trent, Rory and Dylan and Kimberly, and so many of you who are investing in the lives of children and youth in our community. I see it in the ways that Calvary is investing more deeply at West Avenue, as we heard about earlier through Josh and Jennifer and Julie and all of our mentors who just keep showing up each week. I see it in the work that Kristen does each day at the Advocacy Center. 
John at the Garland School of Social Work, Mallory at School Point Alliance, Joel at Truett Seminary, Jody at Hewitt Elementary, Tiffany at the VA Hospital, Spike at Caritas, Kendall at the Good Neighbor House, and the list goes on and on and on. And I see possibilities and God-sized opportunities in so many more people and places at Calvary. The question is, where, where do you see it? You see, people often ask me this question, if Calvary will ever become a neighborhood church. And I don't know exactly what that means. In fact, I think different people think it means different things. And it's a good question, but it might not be the first question I think we ought to be asking ourselves. Instead, perhaps the first question we ought to be asking ourselves is this. Will Calvary continually become a church that seeks to know and to love its neighbors well? And my fervent hope and prayer is that the answer to this is a resounding yes with all of our hearts and heads and hands and lives. And if any of these areas is missing, then you and I are being less than the people that God is calling us to be. And if any of these areas is missing in our fellowship, then Calvary is being less than the church that God is calling us to be. Last week, when we were safely worshiping here at 18th and Bosque, a man walked into worship at Sutherland Springs Baptist Church, as we mentioned before, with an assault rifle capable of shooting more than 400 rounds of ammunition, killing 26 people and injuring 20 more. And I don't know about you all, but I've just been numb this week. And if I really stop to think about why, it's because I just haven't wanted my heart to feel the depth of the reality of the situation because the pain in this one is just too great and this one's a little too close to home it's too real but as followers of Christ you and I are called to live wholeheartedly to put our hearts out there for and with people even when the pain is too great because that's what Jesus did isn't it and as followers of Christ, we are called to seek discernment in difficult situations. We are called to seek wisdom so that the same things that have been happening over and over again don't keep happening. And yet we've had Columbine, Newtown, Orlando, Las Vegas, Charleston, and now Sutherland Springs. Lord, have mercy. And ultimately, as followers of Christ, you and I are called to action. The church cannot be silent about the things that matter in the world around us, or the church will cease to matter to the world around us. We are called to advocate. We are called to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with our God. We are called to be brave with our lives for the sake of the gospel. And this is my God-sized dream for us at Calvary, that we might be fully engaged, 
with love and discernment and courage for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of Jesus' love being felt and known and lived in every corner of our lives and our community and our world. And I believe that we are so uniquely poised as a congregation to help bring this about and that we might not only love much, but that we might love well by God's grace. So this is my prayer we read in the message translation of Philippians 1.9, that your love will flourish and that you will not only love much, but well. Learn to love appropriately. You need to use your head and test your feelings so that your love is sincere and intelligent, not sentimental gush. Live a lover's life, circumspect and exemplary, a life Jesus will be proud of, bountiful in fruits from the soul, making Jesus Christ attractive to all, getting everyone involved in the glory and praise of God. And so Calvary, may we go and do likewise with our hearts, our heads, our hands, and our whole lives. And so God, I ask that for each person in this room, you would give us a God-sized dream for how your kingdom might come on earth as it is in heaven here in this very place and how my we might be a part of that. God, we know it starts with following Jesus, who beautifully modeled this life of loving you with his heart and mind and soul and strength. And if ever we have a question of what that looks like, we turn to him. And so, God, I pray that you would give us abounding love and wise discernment and a whole lot of courage. And we ask these things in your name. Amen. Well, maybe you are here today or you've been here the past several weeks during this series and you've heard us talk about how following Jesus isn't a decision we just make with our heads one day, but it, it involves every part of our lives. And if you would like to talk with someone more about what it means to follow Jesus and this total transformation that happens when we surrender our whole selves to him, we would love to visit with you in the back of the sanctuary. Or maybe you're ready to respond to God by making Calvary your community of faith. We would love to welcome you into our church family today. And I hope my letter has given you just a snapshot of who I think we are and who I think God is calling us to be. And so however God is leading you to respond, we would love to visit with you and to pray with you as we continue in worship.
As we are leaving today, remember that next Sunday is our annual harvest meal, and it's something I always look forward to, to share that time around the table with you. The church is providing our meat, but we ask that everyone brings generous helpings of sides so that we can practice hospitality and welcome everyone who comes next week. We're looking forward to that time together. Also, as you are beginning your Christmas shopping, I remember that we are collecting toys for the toy store at Mission Waco and that we have two more Sundays to bring toys for that. So I hope you'll consider that opportunity as well. And one last opportunity, tomorrow night at 7.30 p.m., the Central Texas Choral Society is having a concert in this room, and Lydia Tate from Calvary is part of that group and is singing a solo. And so if you'd like to share a night of beautiful music, we hope you will join us tomorrow night. Well, please receive this benediction. Friends, may the God who calls you from this place journey with you as you go. May God delight in you with joy, bringing unimagined graces. Walk with you in darkness, shining light along your way. May God be close to you in pain, giving strength for every moment, and comfort you in fear, granting courage to be brave. May God's love surround you. May Christ's mercy astound you. And may the Spirit abound in you so that you live in the fullness of the God who is with us always. Amen.
go now in peace. Amen.